0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the trustee table. I'm Anne-Marie Balzano, Director of Leadership and Governance, and today I'll be speaking with Dave Sternberg. Dave has been a fundraising professional since obtaining his BA degree from The Ohio State University. He's a faculty member at the Lilly School of Philanthropy at Indiana University's Fundraising School, where he teaches courses such as Building the Annual Fund and Marketing for Fundraising. Dave is also a Senior Governance Consultant for BoardSource, and is the only person in America to be affiliated with both the Lilly School of Philanthropy and BoardSource. In 1996, Dave founded Loring, Sternberg & Associates, providing fundraising counsel to educational foundations, social service organizations, higher education, and membership organizations. In 2008, Dave authored the second and third edition of Fearless Fundraising for Nonprofit Boards, a publication for BoardSource, and a bestseller since its publication. Dave, thank you for taking a seat at the table today.
1: Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad to be here.
0: Well, we are thrilled for you to be here. And I'm just going to jump in and start with a question that I know many of our listeners would like to hear the answer to, which is trustees are already serving their schools in a big way. So why should they also have to give and ask for money?
1: well that's a big question the reality is i think when we look at the you know the mission of the work that we do in the schools Mm -hmm. we're looking at supporting many things that aren't covered by the cost of going to school so if your school offers for example scholarships you have additional programs that you offer to students at no cost but still need funded if you know you're interested in maintaining your you know building and you need a maintenance fund those are all rationales for philanthropy and why it's important i don't shortcut the value of people's time and talent but their treasure is important too and I think the biggest issue is when you are asking others to support your school you know the the notion that you would say it would be great if you supported the school I mean I don't but it would be great if you did it's kind kind of a weak a weak approach to getting people to support it as well so your support you know sets a tone for others
0: absolutely and so in your experience, then, what do you think is the biggest misconception that independent school trustees have about fundraising?
1: I think it's two things, really. Um, one is many of them believe it's not their job. And I, I can I can follow the logic on it's you know, it's not my job. I mean, we may have development staff, and therefore that's what they're being paid to do. In addition to when the when a board member is recruited, if we have not made it clear, that that's part of their role, then why would they believe it is? So the theory, it's not my job, you know, is an easy one to understand. The The other thing is that a lot of trustees uh, will believe that the only thing, when we bring up fundraising, the only thing we are asking people to do is ask for money. Mm-hmm. And and to me, that becomes challenging for those whose comfort isn't in in asking for money. So if that is the standard by which we're going to measure the word fundraising, then it, then it, you know, it's a, it's an end of conversation for people. I don't want to ask, so don't include me. And there's way more to it than that.
0: Hmm. It's really interesting. I like the idea of sort of reconceptualizing the, the idea of fundraising. And so I definitely want to hear a little bit more about that. And the other thing that I liked what you just said was the idea that it's, everybody's job on the board that you know when you're recruiting trustees that they understand that that's a a piece of the work and i think that that's something for our board chairs to really think about when they're creating their you know orientation or onboarding processes
1: yeah and the the example of board chair sets is very important you know Mm -hmm. as the leader what they do you know they're setting a tempo they're helping to create a culture so that that position is important for a lot of reasons but that they can have an impact on the culture of philanthropy on our board and within our school.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, so you mentioned before about this idea of, you know, looking at fundraising from lots of different angles. So, you know, how in your mind can trustees become more comfortable in their fundraising role, knowing that there might be some different definitions?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the, the first thing, quite honestly, and this is sort of a personal moment for, for trustees is, you know, do you accept the role? you know you you, if if culturally within within our board we accept this as a role i'm I'm over that hump the other thing is how do we train board members so i think that the ways we can create the comfort are training our our trustees and board members to be good at this and part of that training as i mentioned a moment ago is to separate fundraising from the development process which has multiple parts the question becomes which part do you want to play so can we train our trustees to feel like we understand what our case is, why are we raising money, what's the benefit, who benefits from it, why is it important, and make them comfortable talking about the institution. A lot of people, a lot of board members will say, I I just don't know how to bring up the conversation. So training can certainly help in that regard. The other element is if you have a development staff, um, and maybe sometimes it's even the head of school, who is helping to support our board members in that activity? So they're not gonna go at this alone there's going to be staff help to support them in the process of of engaging with you know external constituents parents grandparents whomever it may be that we want to seek support from so you know those are the ways um that you know we can help create comfort
0: i like that and you know as you were speaking i was thinking about you know the idea of of storytelling as part of fundraising you know to have something like really powerful and compelling about your school that you can share that you can you know that incite some passion in you, right? That that you would want to to share with potential donors.
1: Yeah, I, I think you know, one of the strategies is when you when you devote time, whether this is a retreat or this is a board meeting, but when you devote time to helping board members craft their own personal I, I'm using air quotes now, pitch, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, it has to be theirs. It can't be, I memorize the story about. And, and even if I memorize the story about the starting point, well, then you need to practice it a bit so it becomes your story and how you talk about the organization. Yeah, that's right. That authenticity is really key. That's the yeah. word I was looking for. See, I, if you weren't here, I wouldn't remember that
0: word. <laughs> um, so, so what are some effective ways then to build and sustain donor relationships?
1: Well, I, I go back to some of the earlier comments. When I said we're doing development and not fundraising, Mm-hmm. Part of the training that we offer to trustees ought to be that development is where we cultivate, solicit, and steward. Soliciting is easy. That's just asking for money. The question I ask in creating good long-term relationships is, are we cultivating and stewarding those relationships? So does does our board have a culture where, for example, some groups have a matrix of, of activities? So it, it could be something as simple as, when we're oriented as a board member we're given a a list of activities that we suggest board members get engage in to create cultivate steward relationships they may be things happening at the school so i'm you know there's a there's always um, a row of five seats at any theater production and those are reserved for board members trustees to bring in you know folks to to introduce them to the school. there's always you know a budget set aside for people to eat you know in the building with the head of school and a board member that you know what are the activities that we're doing that demand that we are interacting with you know important constituents so you know is there an ongoing list that your organization has? Do you want to create one as a board you know i I sort of joked recently with a uh, with an organization's board, and I said, you know one of the board members said, well, it's it's about making friends. And I said, well, it, it kind of is. It's, you know, h- how do you interact with your own peers? I don't I don't know that it's a whole lot more complicated than that. So th- those are some things groups have done. So, but again, it, if you're not going to devote time to it, it's hard to create consistency around it.
0: I think that's really true. And I like that idea of of stewarding that relationship. It's not just like necessarily a one-off, like, okay, I've asked for money, you gave it to me and now that's it. <laughs> that seems very transactional
1: (laughs) yeah exactly it i mean when 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 or when when a school looks at the donors that have supported them long term there's a relationship there now not every board member or trustee may know what the history of that relationship is but that 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 supporters whatever that is someone has needs to maintain that when you know you 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 know you started by asking you know well they're serving why should they also give well you know, imagine what a university does, you know, they're raising money and they have their own foundations in most cases, but they're not asking that question. You know, they understand the need for philanthropy and understand the nature to create these long-term relationships, which results in those really big gifts that universities raise.
0: And so I'm, I'm going to go off a little, little topic here, just because I, you know, what, what you were saying about, you know, building these relationships. And, and I wonder if, If you've seen in your work like that, that tension between, you know, big donors, you know, providing a lot for the school, but then expecting something in return that that maybe the school cannot provide. Sometimes,
1: but but the reality is, is I think the development process in the school has to have a history and a culture that is about, you know, the benefit of philanthropy for all and mm-hmm. and while i'm I certainly have no issue with recognition, you know are we naming something? are we putting a name on a donor wall, et cetera? you know how my grandchild gets treated a generation from now is a whole nother subject i mean mm-hmm. there there cannot be that sort of direct preferential treatment mm-hmm. for 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 those individuals so you know don't jump to accepting a gift without thinking about what the long-term ramifications are in doing so. And I'd be honest with you, I, I don't see it a ton, um, mm-hmm. but I'm sure it happens. You know.
0: Well, thank you. So then from, from an oversight perspective, what should a board make sure that its school has in place to do its very best with fundraising?
1: Well, I, I again, I think there's two things here. One is a staffing model who has in part its responsibility to support the board's actions with respect to doing the work of development. So as I mentioned earlier, are are we able to create an environment where board members can steward and solicit and uh, cultivate? And are we also supporting them literally by going with them to make individual visitations and, and having individual interaction? Are we giving them information they need? I've always found volunteers, if we, if we cap the wider net and just say volunteers, mm-hmm. volunteers need support. They're, they're not just free labor, you know they care. And how do we make them successful at their jobs and staff ought to view it as part of their role, to support the success of those individuals because those connections mm-hmm. are important to our institutions. So staff, uh, you know, staff support's important. And again, I think setting aside time at board meetings devoted to talking about the issue of development and fundraising is very important you know when i look at board minutes from organizations and i and i interview trustees i'll say well how important is fundraising and they'll say well it's super important and we talk about it all the time and i'll look at board meeting minutes you know and except for the gala Mm -hmm. you know it just doesn't come up so i'm wondering how it's important when they're really they have a belief they're talking about it but that doesn't mean that they are so you know, and by the way, not at the end of the meeting. I mean, <laughs> if, if it's that important, you know, anything that happens at the end, no one remembers. So okay. it's it's about consistency and placement.
0: And actually, as you were saying that, I was thinking, gosh, could this even be part of board education, right? I mean, if, if our goal is for boards to engage in more learning, during board meetings, could we integrate this idea of fundraising and and how do you do the ask and and how do you like you said cultivate and steward different donors could be part of that?
1: There, there's zero question, and I and and what's interesting is if you if you look at the board building cycle, which mm-hmm. um, source has has published and and has even updated recently, they'll say part of the board building cycle, which of course is recruitment through support through removing people, like they've they reached their limit and they're rolling off the board. One is education. And and the suggestion is, is that every board meeting has some bit of education at the start, even if it's 10 minutes. And so sort of that notion of an educational drip, right,
0: mm-hmm.
1: little bits at the beginning. You could pick all kinds of topics. You could, let's practice our stories with one another and then share one mm-hmm. or two publicly. You know, if I ask board members, what's education, they say the mission, the budget, you know, education might be, you know, what are the, what are the biggest challenges facing us financially that we need to be aware of? So when we're out talking about the institution, we can frame conversations appropriately. What are our competitors doing? You know, how do we, you know, how do we, how do we solicit someone? There's all kinds of things talking about wills and bequests, talking about, you know, distributions from IRAs. There's a whole host of things that you could do quickly. And informatively, and you know, might encourage people to start conversations they otherwise wouldn't have had.
0: Right, exactly. I'm so passionate about about board education. I, I believe so strongly that boards need to be learning organizations if they want their schools to be learning organizations. And so, really making that a priority, I think, is key. Yeah. So, okay. So, one last question, which I know is a big, a big question on the minds of again, lots of our listeners, which is exactly how much should school trustees give of their own money? I mean, we hear, we hear phrases like, you know, philanthropic priorities and sacrificial giving, but what does that really mean?
1: Yeah, that, it's not funny to say that's the million dollar question. The, the,
0: the um, <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I,
1: I, yeah, I mean, right. The, the, the reality is uh, my, many of my colleagues and I who do a lot of governance work with boards are say, if you've worked with one board, you've worked with one board, which is to say that, you know, every board has its own culture and and culture has a great impact on implementing best practices ultimately. So it's easy to understand the best practices, but how one school, you know, decides to go about implementing them is going to be different than another school, although they're the same practices. Now, all this is a prelude to say it depends. First of all, Go back to your first question. If if we don't think fundraising and giving is important, this may not be an issue for us. But if we have a giving requirement, and I'm all for that, I mean, I think we have to think about does the way we phrase it create a floor or a ceiling? So when we look at current giving, are people maximizing what their capacity would allow? And if not, you know, we need to circle back and think about what is the requirement and how have we phrased it. If they are, you're probably in good shape. I'll tell you, I have two new, I don't think they're new, but I have two different ways of using terms that get away from philanthropic priority. You know, who's to say what a priority is? And sacrificial giving, I've had people joke and say, you know, do you mean killing someone? You know, haha. But, But, you know, I use phrases like personally meaningful. You must make a personally meaningful contribution. And that means that what you and I can give may differ it just needs to be personally meaningful mm-hmm. i've heard stretch gift that's that's a little less impactful my all-time favorite though is make a gift large mm-hmm. enough that you care how the institution spends it mm, and i like that. that that yeah that to me is a different number for everyone based on their own personal situation but you know that says something so those with great capacity would have would you know would make a bigger gift you would think right because they have the capacity and if they care how it's spent it's going to be a bigger number so um i i do joke that years ago a colleague of mine said i like the phrase you know give a gift that makes you proud and i would always say you know we know a lot of trustees with no pride so you (laughs) you got to be careful about you know how you define that but so yeah kind of different in every situation now i can tell you this you know you need to decide culture do you want to measure it and report to the board what giving looks like. You know, sometimes keeping score matters, but but that's not entirely the question you asked, so, you know,
0: in the in the effort
1: to make the make the the uh, trustees table not go for 4 hours on this on this episode, I won't go down that road.
0: Well, maybe we can do a follow-up episode on, on just that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> we could. But.
0: Well, Dave, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. I know that the insights that you have shared will be so helpful to our members.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the trustee table. We've included some great resources on some of the areas we discussed at NAIS.org. And you can also keep an eye on that page for new podcast episodes. Please be sure to listen, rate, review, and subscribe to a new episode each month. Thank you for listening.